The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 12th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Kriti Gupta. Coming up today, UK wage growth outstrips inflation for the first time in more than a year. JP Morgan boss Jamie Dimon calls for more humility from regulators as he criticizes their capital plans. And Apple gears up for a high-stakes iPhone launch as fears of a China backlash grow. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. UK wage growth remained at a record high in the three months to the end of July, adding to the pressure on the Bank of England to opt for a 15th straight hike. Average earnings, excluding bonuses, rose 7.8% from a year earlier. Manpower Group Director Chris Gray says many employers are reluctant to let go of staff. The vacancies from last quarter remain unfilled, and therefore they still need to hire for this next quarter. And there's still ongoing demand for niche skills or critical roles. But also, um, there's an anticipation of a bounce back. And I think a lot of employers remember how hard it was to rehire when it came out of COVID. So you've got all Mm. that in the mix, which drives the demand. For Gray, the big unknown is when Britain will return to regular economic growth. Unemployment ticked higher for a third month to 4.3 percent, while vacancies continued to fall. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon has taken aim at US regulators, calling plans to have banks hold more capital than international competitors a, quote, huge negative. And Dimon didn't stop there, pointing out that the Fed needs to be more aware of its own mistakes. The Federal Reserve should have a little humility. They're the ones that told the world rates aren't going up. It wasn't the Federal Reserve in general. It was each one of them independently. In fact, it was each central bank. So if I were them, I'd have a little more humility over stuff like this. Jamie Diamond's comments come as federal agencies push ahead with plans to require banks to add billions of dollars to their capital cushions after a number of smaller lenders collapsed earlier this year. The Federal Reserve is done raising interest rates and will likely cut them by roughly one percentage point next year. That's according to chief economists at some of North America's largest banks. Bloomberg's Charlie Pallet reports. The latest forecast from the American Bankers Association's Economic Advisory Committee shows while the U.S. will probably dodge a recession, economic growth looks set to slow markedly in coming quarters, pushing up unemployment while reducing inflation. According to their median forecasts, the committee sees economic growth slowing to less than an annualized 1% rate in the coming three quarters in response to the Fed's past interest rate increases and a tightening of credit. Credit conditions. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. So that's the U.S. Central Bank. Here in the U.K., the Bank of England policymaker Catherine Mann says that more rate hikes should be on the cards. The most hawkish member of the Monetary Policy Committee warned that it's easier to fix a flagging economy than persistently high inflation. The Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, told Bloomberg that price rises are weighing on fiscal decisions too. 
And when you're trying to bring down inflation, you have to be really careful not to pump extra money into the economy, much as you would like to, not to, to pump extra money into people's pockets, because that can push up prices and keep inflation higher for longer. So the one thing I can absolutely say is that our focus at the autumn statement will be on bringing down inflation. Hunt added that if the UK doesn't improve its economic growth, taxes will rise. You can hear the full interview with the Chancellor on the UK Politics podcast. Apple will attempt to regain the narrative later today with the launch of a new iPhone, updated Apple Watch and AirPods. The launch comes as the Californian company confronts fears of a consumer backlash in China after Beijing banned government employees from using iPhones at work. Heyman Capital Management founder and CIO Kyle Bass says he thinks Apple faces a rough ride in the country. I think Apple is in for, um, let's just say, a much, much longer uh much longer period of distress in China. And I think you've seen Apple try to move to India on the production side, and they've, they've been successful in moving a, a very large portion of their production in a very short period of time. I just think that's going to be something they're going to have to do. Kyle Bass spoke to Bloomberg as the tech giant renewed a contract to get modem chips from Qualcomm. The deal is a sign that Apple's efforts to build their own components are taking much longer than expected. Now, the former head of MI6 says that the UK needs to maintain a dialogue with China. Richard Dearlove's intervention comes after a parliamentary researcher was arrested on suspicion of spying for Beijing, something he denies. Britain's former spy chief says that the situation needs to be handled delicately. This issue is not black and white. You can be tough with China and you can show China that you mean business when they interfere in your internal affairs, but you can also trade with them. Look, this is not a cold war with China. The former head of MI6's comments come as senior Tory MPs lined up in the House of Commons to pressure the Prime Minister to designate China as a threat to the UK. The UK uh, wage and employment figures. Bloomberg's UK correspondent Lizzie Burden joins us now to discuss. Look, average earnings, that's the thing that stands out, excluding bonuses. They rose by 7.8% from a year earlier. This does not look like the inflation headache is going anywhere. No, but it is in line with economists' expectations. Hence, as you say, not merely much moving markets, not for the pound, not for gilts either, because it doesn't really move the dial for the Bank of England, this data. Unemployment also came in line with expectations a rise to 4.3%. So it seems that we're still going to get a quarter point hike from the Bank of England on September the 21st, as economists were expecting. We heard from MPC member Catherine Hawke, the Haw- uh, Catherine Hawke, huh? that would be an app name, Catherine Mann, the Hawke mm. of the committee yesterday, signalling that she reckons more hikes are going to be necessary. But I do think it's important to point out that as we get towards the peak of Table Mountain, as the chief economist of the BOE, Hugh Pillwood, put it, it seems that economists are turning their attention to other data. Whereas we've had months and months of the BOE emphasising that they're watching wage growth because that's a signal of domestically driven inflation, Swati Dingra, the dove of the committee, said last week in Parliament that it's a lagging indicator. So perhaps they're looking more towards things like the PMI's forward-looking data. How does the fiscal 
policy factor into all of this? Well, I actually reckon that this data is more important politically than economically because one of the big surprises was the figure for average weekly earnings, including bonuses. That came in above expectations at 8.5%, up from 8.2%. Economists thought it was just going to stay on hold. And that number feeds into the triple lock, which is the guarantee that the state pension rises with the highest of wage growth Pen, um, wage growth inflation or 2.5%. Now, because of this increase in average weekly earnings, the Institute for Fiscal Studies says that it's going to add another £2 billion to state pension spending in 2024 to 2025 compared to the previous official forecasts. So it comes back to our interview that you played earlier with the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, where he was saying it doesn't necessarily look like tax cuts are affordable. It raises the importance of growing the economy. Otherwise, taxes may have to rise. If anything, it looks from this data like the government might have to tweak the triple lock to make it affordable. We've already reported that the government's considering cutting benefits in real terms. It raises the question whether the government keeps the triple lock but bases it on a different month of data to make it more affordable. But that's Mm. going to be politically tricky if you're whacking the poor but saving the pensioners, the Tory base. Yeah, absolutely. Critty, welcome to UK politics. Uh, <laughs> you're coming at an exciting time, though, because uh, we've got to have an election by January uh, 2025. This does seem like the big policy levers are suddenly, you know, um, being talked about. You know, pensions and benefits are uh, two of the biggest costs of the UK government. So that's absolutely uh, huge, I think, and, and very significant. And what else stood out to you from that very big interview, got a long time, a big sit down with Jeremy Hunt, only a few weeks ahead of the autumn statement. Well, of course, he probably didn't really want to be talking about the matters domestic because he was out on the world stage mm. there in India. He was speaking to our colleague, Haslinda Amin, and he was also talking about potential trade with India uh, and hopes for a trade deal there. Of course, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, uh, described, I think, in the Indian press as India's son in law because. Uh, of his uh, his wife being the daughter of the the founder of Infosys, one of India's most proud businesses. Look, he says that uh, the reason he was in India was partly to. Uh, improve that relationship, mm. boost business investment, which of course is going to be crucial to the growth story. Okay, Lizzie, thank you so much for your time and for being with us. That's Bloomberg's UK correspondent, uh, Lizzie Burden, with the latest uh, when it comes to the employment wage uh, picture and, of course, our interview with the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including 
sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move on, though. Apple's also got a big announcement today. I mean, a lot of time um, is devoted to this, usually the annual iPhone unveiling. Um, But it has more, actually, than usual riding on the outcome of today. The iPhone 15 will be unveiled in California. And joining us now, Quick Takes, Alex Webb. Welcome back to the studio, Alex. Uh, Thanks for being with us. What are we expecting in terms of the new products and especially, I suppose, the pricing and the sales numbers that they may garner? So there are going to be four new iPhones uh, with essentially it was two base models with, with larger sizes for each uh, and the new uh, Apple Watch lineup as well. The, the, the upgrades to them, you know, compared to things we might have seen five, eight, ten years ago, are, are pretty incremental. It's a slightly thinner bezel around the edge of your phone. The so-called dynamic island, which is in the pro lineup at the moment, is going to go into um, all of the new iPhones. That reduces the notch at the top of your phone where the camera sits uh, and and just makes it sort of sit there as a little island with animated things that go around the edges. Um, and in the pro, there's going to be a titanium shell rather than stainless steel. Now, that, that's significant because it might let them charge more. So that gets a bit to your point mm. on pricing. Ultimately, then Apple's not selling as many units as it might have done in the past. Instead, what it tries to do is eke more spend out of the units that it does sell. So we're going to see, likely see some price increases at the top line there. And again, that gets them to the sales point. You know, sales... Uh, for this year in the smartphone industry as a whole look pretty pessimistic. Nonetheless, Apple has managed to gain market share in that time. Uh, It's up versus uh, 2022 numbers. It's gained just over a percentage point. Samsung is down two percentage points. So um, it has, because perhaps there's price resiliency in Apple's target customer base, as others suffer um, from declining sales, Apple is able to hold it up a little bit better. Uh, So Hmm. that's why they charge the higher prices as well. Alex, I read a really interesting uh, kind of piece over the weekend that said that each incremental Apple iPhone design actually had fewer and fewer new features. It wasn't kind of this redone model as it was, say, five, six years ago, where they'd almost unveil a completely different product. Uh, These advancements are much, much smaller, but the price tag getting much, much higher. What do sales look like in an environment where the upgrades aren't that Upgradey, for lack of a better term. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, technical term. Um, I I suppose the thing that you've got to remember is that the fastest growing part of Apple business for much of the past five years has been its... uh, it's services business. You know, that's iCloud, that's Apple uh, Music, it's Apple TV Plus. All these things are sort of higher margin on the whole, I should say. Crucially, though, the more you buy into those services, the more you download, the more apps you download, the harder it is to trade in your iPhone for an Android device or a competing device. Um, because it's just a pain in the neck, you know, having to get, you know, re uh, download things from the Google Play Store, move all your photos over, all your contacts. It's a real nuisance. It means then that Apple can, like, 
it, it innovate a bit mm. less on the hardware because on the software side, it is tying you more closely to those devices. And yeah, of course, does Apple have a problem with China in terms of sales and production? I mean, that could be the, you know, the new really big story for the firm. So, so we don't quite know yet, right? So what we've known and heard in the past few weeks is some reporting that uh, China's state-owned companies and, of course, the agencies themselves have, are introducing a ban on iPhones in um, from iPhone use by their employees. Uh, that in and of itself may not be that significant from a unit perspective. The question is whether there is a broader rise of Chinese nationalism, which in the past has hurt Apple's um, sales in, in that part of the world. Um, it, it's something we won't hear about today, of course. We'll hear about it in um, in earnings calls over the, over the next few quarters. But Apple has been trying to get ahead of the problem by pivoting more towards India. Not something you could do in a year or two. It's a five, eight, ten-year project, but that project has started. Mm. Well, when you think about you know China or India, really any kind of EM country, I think is I think fair to call it. Uh, Samsung is is the predominant player there, and, and Alex, I think but not in China, I would say Samsung not the predominant player in China. Sorry, fair, no, off. no, fair point. But uh, Apple, I think, has tried to gain to your point, gain that market share by offering some sort of lower value, lower price point model. Unsuccessfully, I might add. Is it making any progress in terms of capturing market share from some of its rivals? So in India, it is really starting to grow faster. They rec- uh, Bloomberg reported they had $6 billion in uh, tw- trading 12-month revenue through March. Um, they have opened their first retail stores in India. They are bringing more production there. Um, but the sort of suspicion is India is where China was maybe 20 years ago, You know, not even mm. 10 years ago. So it's a long way to catch up. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 